0: Hello, and welcome to Failing Forward. Today is the first in a three-part series where we talk about BSLA, that's CARES Village Savings and Loan Association model, and the ways we have to adapt that model to work in different contexts. Today we're going to be talking about humanitarian context. Hello, this is Camille Davis, and I'm sitting here in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, with Barak Kinanga, and we're going to be talking about BSLA's in humanitarian contexts, which Barak has um, a lot of insight on. Um, so um, let's start. So can you just introduce yourself, um, tell us a little bit about your background and where you work now?
1: Thank you very much, Camila. My name is Barak Kinanga. I'm the Food Security and Livelihood uh, Advisor. I work in Yemen. Um, I've been working in Yemen now. This is my second year. In terms of my background in uh, the livelihood arena, I have over 15 years working experience with the rural communities uh, on varied uh, subject matters.
0: In your opinion, why is it important for us to talk about failure?
1: Personally, I think it's important to talk about failure because it is through failure that we are able to learn. Uh, In most instances, people have always focused on success. They forget to reflect on failure as a a learning point.
0: And so what is the context of failure that you're going to talk about?
1: Um, When we're talking about failure, my reflection, especially on the work I do, is, uh, for instance, care as an organization is involved in many uh, interventions around the world. And most of its successes has grown out of learning from the past. So today, we'd like to focus more on uh, failure that probably we might have gone through that has brought us to where we are. And more specifically, I'd like to focus on uh, the village savings and loan associations.
0: Okay, so let's get into it. In this context, what would you say went wrong and Why?
1: If you recall, CARE is a pioneer organization that started the VSLs in '93 in uh, Niger. It piloted this model, and over the years the model has been replicated in many uh, countries and in many regions around the world. Despite the successes, all along we thought we were on course, but there was the other side which we had not reflected, and this side was VSLAs in humanitarian context. It's up to the most recent times that our minds clicked and we started reflecting there could be a group that we're ignoring because of the context in which they are. And I think this moment we'll talk more about what we've learned because I'm practicing in a humanitarian context and we realized that the people in this context as well need to benefit from uh, the VSLs. Great.
0: What have you learned from it? What have you learned from the downfalls of CARE's attempt to implement VSLAs in emergencies? Or what have you learned from your experience in Yemen?
1: The, the learning is ongoing and uh, it's a painful learning experience because is a situation where you have a model that is designed on a different context and you would like to practice it on a different a totally opposite context so when you are doing that you are not sure whether you are doing the right thing and whether you're going to register some successes mm-hmm. but because of the desire to help the people you go down and start uh, piloting these ideas but the difficult element in this is when you are piloting an idea who which has guidelines already predefined on a context that needs totally a new guideline to, uh, to implement those ideas. So this is what we've experienced in Yemen with the VSLA because VSLA has uh, guidelines that were developed in a different context, a context that is... Uh, Uh, not really on um, a conflict setting but a normal context. But now here in Yemen for the past three years we've been practicing uh, we introduced VSLAs and we piloted it. So in the initial uh, stages of uh, piloting these VSLAs of course we realized challenges and the challenges were twofold. One were design challenges and the other one was context challenge. But We've strived to work through these challenges, and today we are proud to say that so far we've formed 60 VSLAs, Uh, although we cannot say they are at its optimum, but we've seen progress and there's a huge appetite for adoption of more formation, or rather there's an adoption in a desire to form more VSLAs.
0: When speaking specifically about VSLAs, what works in development context that doesn't work so well in humanitarian
1: contexts? There's quite a lot of uh, differences between uh, development context and uh, a humanitarian context. An avenue that is available in the development context is when you're dealing with the uh, members of the community whom you're mobilizing to form VSLAs or even whom you targeting in VSLs. One good thing is that they have a variety of uh, income generating options that, uh, in most cases, are not available in a humanitarian context because people's livelihood has been affected by the nature of the conflict. In development context, the options are more. People still have livelihood and they have resources they can commit into saving. The other point is the issue of accessibility the accessibility is on two fronts the front number one accessibility for the program staff they are able to easily meet and access the people the village agents they can meet the VSLA members for training and also the VSLA members are also able to move from one point to the other but when you reflect on this on the humanitarian context Often, the element of accessibility is a challenge. The members are not able to move freely from one location to the other, and also sometimes the program staff have movement restrictions. It quite takes time for the process to move forward because of the delays that are occasioned as a result of access. The other point around the same thing of access, because of ease of access in a development context, or where people are free to move, the group dynamics are stronger in a development context as opposed to a humanitarian context because then people have restricted movement. They don't quite often get an opportunity to meet as many times as they. They are supposed to meet, and you find that the groups are not so very cohesive, and/or they have to be cohesive. It takes time for uh, them to realize or achieve these objectives. The other difference is in terms of the population. In development context, the population is static. The people are living in one location, and the. Can often achieve their objectives easily as opposed to the humanitarian context. I mean, the humanitarian context, because of the nature of uh, emergency, probably focusing more on conflict areas like Yemen, you would not expect to have people in one location. If there is a, a conflict or a, a danger, people have to move. It doesn't mean that when they move, VSLA ceases, but that interrupts the VSLA process. Then, either if people are moving to a new location, as much as they may move together, it means that their livelihood can momentarily be disrupted, Mm -hmm. and then eventually they have to restart again. So, this draws back the period of savings and all that. And perhaps another thing I'd like to highlight in terms of the difference between the development context and the humanitarian context, is more about the processes of forming the groups. In humanitarian context, the process is short because of the factors that I've mentioned, access, the group members are available for training. I mean, the modules for VSLA that are available can be achieved easily. But in the humanitarian context, the process takes long. For instance, you may need like three months for group mobilization to sell the idea of VSL. But in a, a development context, it's easy because already there is no shock that is affecting people. Right. And based on the model of the VSL we have today, it's suitable for the a development context. But the same model may not really be very suitable to the humanitarian context because we need to adjust. For example, the cycle of obviously, a, a that uh, should be a minimum of nine months, mm-hmm. where people can be at liberty to share their, to share out their shares or savings, mm-hmm. may not necessarily be achievable in a humanitarian context because, for instance, if you take three months to mobilize groups, and then three or six months people are saving, it's not enough time for people to save. This makes to think that it's important to around that period, a cycle period to be slightly extended, including the time we use to mobilize the groups, maybe to 12 months or 15. And then are the other issues also like the savings, they might be minimal. And people need to save for a longer time to have a meaningful amount of uh, savings such that people can borrow from. So in a development context, this is possible within a short time. The volume of the saving can grow because people have varied the, uh, options. But in the humanitarian context, people are saving little money. And sometimes when the shock comes within the process of the saving, they have to reduce the shares. So this affects the amount of savings that uh, is in their kitty and therefore it affects the loan borrow out. So maybe also is other areas that we may think um, around that we may need to adjust our current model. And then one more, when we talk of the humanitarian context, maybe the question would be, Is every humanitarian context suitable for the VSLS? The answer to that is no. Not every humanitarian context is suitable to have VSLS because there are contexts where there is active conflict, then you don't... people's priority change. The priority is not even in saving, it's survival. The people are employing negative coping strategies and when people are employing negative coping strategies, it means they are depleting their uh, livelihood assets. Mm-hmm. So savings won't be an option. But where the population are relatively affected by the conflict, I think that is the first place where we need to invest in uh, DSL because then once they have adjusted to the shock, they mm-hmm. start anticipating for the future. Right and then the appetite for saving again starts rising
0: well thank you for sharing those insights this is all extremely helpful in the thinking going forward about how we might want to implement bsla in humanitarian context we've learned that it's not always appropriate and even in some cases we're is possible certain modifications have to be made or expectations have to be adjusted for how to implement them and what to expect yeah, um, as a result of definitely.
1: Them. And I think the important thing is to do an analysis first. We shouldn't right. just move in and say, there is VSLA in a humanitarian context, so we have to do But for every uh, situation, for every context, we need to do an analysis. And what should go into the analysis to look at the people's livelihood, how much it has been affected, to look at whether there are financial services around there to understand the target population want to work with. There are those who could be in a, a very critical phase in terms of, uh, if I may use the integrated phase classification that classifies the severity right. of food yeah. insecurity. Yeah. If people in phase four and phase five should not be targeted for VSLA programs. Because their resilience is so weak, Mm -hmm. they need just to be supported with the emergency food assistance or any other assistance that can enable them to meet their basic needs. But people, IPC phase 1, phase 2 or phase 3, case by case basis, should be targeted for BSL. So this is the kind of analysis that we need to do before we go deep into rolling yeah. out our VSF. Yeah.
0: That's a good segue into the next question, because now that you have an opportunity to expand and kind of start fresh, what would you do differently?
1: So what the, what is required and as I've already mentioned it to you, we are using a manual, a guideline that was designed for a total different context from the context in uh, Yemen. Uh, what would be important at this point is to come up with a guidelines that are adopted to the context in which we are implementing these vsls
0: okay and then for others who are attempting to do this establish vsls in in humanitarian context what what would you recommend what what's one action that you would recommend for others
1: Uh, the important point would be to develop a learning culture Okay. We need to learn, experiment with our beneficiaries, learn from them, listen to them. And it's through learning from them and listening to them that we would come up with a guideline that suits the communities that we are serving. Okay,
0: great. And then more generally speaking, how can we use lessons from this failure to improve impact?
1: Oh, one of the... The important thing is with this kind of dialogues, with uh, more of the learning events like the one we just uh, we are attending here in Dar es Salaam, we will collect experiences from different practitioners who are piloting this model. And when we collect these views and their experiences of failure and success, mm-hmm. we will develop one uh, single uh, toolkit that would be able to assist. Those who would want to continue with these approaches in the humanitarian context.
0: Are there any other reflections you'd like to share?
1: Yes, indeed, there are more reflections to, to share. Of course, again, like I said, even when we are going to develop the guidelines that will guide us in implementing BSLS in a humanitarian context, we also still need to recognize that they are different humanitarian crises around the world. There is crises that are as a result of natural causes. There is crises that are as a result of conflict. And all these crises affect people differently. So we need to, as much as try to revisit our guidelines as often, but also, even when we are designing these guidelines, we need to, make them as flexible as possible such that we can mutate with different conflicts or other contexts in these humanitarian Mm -hmm. settings.
0: Great, great advice. Um, Well, thank you so much. Um, It's always important to reflect, see what we can learn, and share that learning with others, and I think um, we've achieved some of that here. So, thank you very much.
1: I also appreciate your time.
0: Absolutely. All right, take care. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode, which is going to be looking at VSLAs in urban context.